I could definitely you see know, that. It's Buford T. Justice or uh, Ned Beatty in uh, White Lightning. I don't remember uh, Burt Reynolds ever smashing a dude's head in the opening scene. Uh, but uh, yeah, this takes it to that extreme. Right? Yeah. I love mean, one of my favorite character introductions in any movie. Oh, man. Is, People were into it. Is, uh, yeah, Nick Cage and Laura Dern walking down the steps and this guy starts hassling him. And Nick Cage's laugh. I don't know if I ever caught that laugh he does at the very beginning before. <laughs> yeah. He just goes, uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's right after... Well, first I got to drop the words Bob Ray Lemon. Because I love drop for him. a guy in this movie who immediately gets his head busted open. Yeah. We hear the name Bob Ray Lemon <laughs> like eight times. <laughs> People keep saying that. his full name when they're still talking. People are still talking about Bob Ray Lemon. Oh, man. And so I was already into Bob Ray Lemon. But, yeah, that line where Bob Ray Lemon calls Laura Dern a C. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Nick Cage goes, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bob Ray Lemon had already started talking, and he's just like, He's clearly talking oh, some shit. Yeah. yeah. He's coming after him pretty quick. But, yeah. Man, he crossed that line. You came hard, and you went past it, and... <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> we know exactly what we're about to get into here. Yeah, this was really like opening They Live with the fight scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this Basically. Is, this is just a huge, one-sided, overly long beating to open the movie. Yeah, it's pretty movie. one-sided. He, he takes care of Bob Ray Lemon pretty quickly. Bob Ray Lemon takes a fall. <laughs> and then there's a pause. And then Nick Cage just keeps beating him mercilessly. So we open with the They Live fight. Yeah. And, and then, then him just uh, lighting that cigarette and pointing to Diane point, Ladd. He does a lot of pointing. Uh, the pointing one. in this movie is on point. I'll, I'll say it. This, if one thing, uh, one big takeaway for me is how much I love David Lynch's work with actors that I guess some people consider bad. Uh, you know, I don't think Nick Cage is a bad actor. I oh, think no. he makes weird choices, but he has that stupid rep as being the the dumb idiot that you like to I feel laugh like at he, doing silly things. Yeah, I feel like Nick Cage only got that rep, though, in the last 10 years, where people only were like, oh, man, Nick Cage does some weird movies. It's like, yeah. were you not Nick paying Cage attention? Nick Cage is paying the bills, apparently. Yeah, oh. but, but I mean, he was making weird movies in the 80s and 90s, obviously, Wild at Hearts up there. Yeah. But Raising Arizona and Vampire's Kiss and all that stuff. Yeah. Dude's been crazy for a while. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure all David Lynch had to do was tell him he got to sing a couple of Elvis songs and right? he was on board. That's why it's David Lynch finds these kind right, of... Right in his... Could not be more in his wheelhouse. Right? Kind of a doe-eyed, uh, charming white guys that are other that other, might otherwise be bland. And he lets them do like... Like look at him with Bill Pullman in Lost Highway or Kyle MacLachlan in anything. Oh, yeah. And it's like always these, it's this beautiful, perfect pairing. (laughs) Like they both have the exact right skill set to work with each other. I love, I mean, Kyle MacLachlan reading David Lynch material is like perfect. (laughs) And Nicolas Cage is like, oh, it's like that perfect match. Just, yeah, because how would Lynch have known? It's such a perfect guy for this role. Absolutely. Um, and this I mean, is a role. This is a, a movie with clearly a unique, specific vision mm-hmm. of what it wants to be. So it's so good that he nails each part of this vision. Yeah. I just wish I knew the whole step behind. Uh, I want to know the story behind Lynch even hooking up with 
Nicolas Cage. I mean, I, I just sh- want to know. I want to see the meetings in those tapes. Like, oh, like, sure, oh, sure. Like, oh, I want the I'd notes to hear from the those. Story, like, yeah, oh man, of just yeah, how they work together. I would um, love to hear those two just having a having a conversation. Well, and then Laura Dern as well. On the flip side of that, wow, I mean, she's such a great maybe the match ultimate for him. David Lynch actress, sure. actor. But uh, she is so fearless and yeah. over the top. She actually kind of, I think, outshines Nick Cage in this movie. I think in so. In a lot of scenes. In a lot of ways. And he gets he gets all the the specifically good lines. Mm-hmm. So he has more to work with. He always gets to be the guy responding to something that's said. Right. So he gets to like go out on the cool joke note. So he already has an advantage. So the fact that Laura Dern's that good while being clearly written is kind of the you know, the lesser. Mm-hmm. She's so amazing in it. She's so, like you said, fearless. And it is also, watching it with a room full of like 90 people or so, you also realize that it is the horniest performance (laughs) (laughs) ever committed to film in any kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, You've never seen horniness like this in any flick. I was uh, thinking (laughs) watching it, it was like, she does not stop squirming. Yeah. In any scene, she's, she's writhing slowly everywhere. Or, yeah, or just like, yeah, she can't. Unless she's like sick in bed until she kind of gets to that part where she's not feeling well. Yeah, that first half especially, she is just She is just like, you can't put her next to a marble column at a dance club without her rubbing her butt on it. Like, she is just, it is the steamiest. She is yeah. in full sultry, sultry mode. <laughs> 24 7 and then every other line is like "Ooh, (laughs) sailor yeah you got me so hot she (laughs) is so hot on sailor it is crazy i love it she is into it (laughs) this could you turn you turn the dial just a little bit on this movie and it becomes dare fan oh right this could be lula just dying for this young elvis in a snakeskin jacket well or it could be like natural born killers or something right sure just psychos out on the road Mm -hmm. uh something like that but and that's you inadvertently bring up one of the things that i love so much about it is that it's not a natural born killers situation Mm -hmm. even despite having all the chances to do so Mm -hmm. it's like a big old love story they genuinely are in love, yeah. want to escape the bad stuff in their life, start anew. They yeah. have the best intentions. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the good thing. They have they have good intentions. These are not weirdos like uh, Mickey and uh, Mallory. Yeah, I <laughs> But uh, I love their love. Oh. <laughs> you know, I love watching these two play off each other. There was a bunch of hands that went up when... Uh, you know, has anybody seen uh, this movie? Kind of, mm-hmm. kind of the show of hands. And I'm like, oh god, this is gonna be so great for them. And then ten minutes in, I'm like, I did not realize just how great this is gonna be for me. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, I was dying at, at so much stuff. And then at a drop of the hat, the movie can get super tender mm-hmm. on you. You know the uh, the weirdly tender scene between Diane Ladd we'll get to way more in a bit and johnny farragut when you know he's kind of been portrayed harry dean stanton as johnny farragut has been yeah. portrayed as a joke the whole movie and then you get that he's scene the guy yeah he's the sap and uh you get that scene where it seems like she's regretted putting a 
hit out on Johnny Farragut. Yeah. You think she's actually trying to reverse it, and they get this like actual tender, loving scene. And so I guess I'd want to talk now about Diane Ladd. I'd say we get into it. Um, because... because before, I think you talk Again. about how Laura Dern maybe overshadowed Nick Cage. I think this is the first time. And again, I've seen this movie four or five times that I fully got 110% into the Diane Ladd parts of the movie. You know, I think my trajectory when I started the love in this movie was like, man, it's got a crazy Willem Dafoe performance. Right. And then, you Everyone know, I loves that. Yeah. And then that's the thing that jumped out the first time I saw it. And then I moved into more of the, the funniness of the Nick Cage parts. You know, I kept. And so I think now I've finally hit where I love the Diane Ladd stuff the most in the movie. <laughs> That's how my little shooting star through Wild at Heart is going. She was amazing in this, every scene. This is one of one of the most perfectly ugly performances oh, sure. ever. Yeah. She gets... That's one of the things I think we brought up in Midsummer. Like, I like how... How ugly Florence Pugh can uh, can play it, you know. Right. We don't need no pretty crying. Feels real. That's some ugly crying this... when she's dry heaving with all of her sisters. Yeah. And like that's big. That's acting at that. That's that's putting it out there. Diane Ladd does that for the duration. But it's of as if movie. she's on acid at the same time. Yeah, right? like she's got the ugly cry, but she's also just out of her mind. Yeah, she's totally over the top soap opera. She feels uh, it was her, the evil witch. It was her performance and watching just the first few scenes with her that finally started making me realize this is a John Waters movie. Mm -hmm. Because Diane Ladd in this movie feels like the best John Waters character ever in the best way. Whoever was in charge of her hair and makeup, (laughs) she has a new awful hairstyle <laughs> in every scene that's true it's almost it's almost like a straight take on uh the katherine hellman character from brazil uh-huh just getting more and more freakish with the uh, modern technology and accessories it's just every haircut is her hair gets super long sometimes she has like a weave with extensions. The other time it's like in a tight bob with awful bangs in oh, huge bows. It's like one oh, of the... Oh, the bows are great. Oh, it is like... And the makeup is so thick. <laughs> the, the lipstick is so bright. There's so many shots of the brightest, most uh, dense nail polish nails uh-huh. <laughs> all throughout oh, this movie. Mean. That's what I was getting with the John Waters vibe was just that like neon... Yeah, coloring that you'd see on the lipstick, or it's the same kind of Lord trailer Burns. park chic yeah. kind of shit that shows up so much. There's that one shot of Nicolas Cage goosing some <laughs> girl on the stairs, and she's wearing like you know neon orange bike shorts. Right, that feels like John Waters making a perfect trash 1990 <laughs> movie. Yeah, so this is David Lynch artistically making just total trash. <laughs> well, it's a southern noir. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, uh, yeah. He he even calls Diane Ladd, "You piece of white trash." Yeah. At one point, yeah. <laughs> before before punching a bathroom stall door. <laughs> oh man! And she played <laughs> that same scene. I love so much. I think it's like the best written part of her 
Southern Henrietta mm. mode was when she spells out shit. When she's calling <laughs> it, you piece of S-H-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> she, mo- she is so like Don Johnson plantation owner in uh, Django Unchained. Dude, she is. She gives the most trashy performance, and it's so great. Like it, it got an Oscar nomination. Oh yeah, against some pretty big stuff. I think that might have been the year Whoopi won for Ghost. Well, I, which one, I've never seen. I'd be curious to know. Yeah, like again, the the idea of the fearlessness, the acting. I wonder if David Lynch was just like, go bigger, go bigger. Yeah. You know? He had to have been telling her, no, no, no. no stop no. stop holding back. More. Yeah. I want more, more, more. Because every scene, it seemed like whatever she was doing, she was just doing it to this level of intensity. Even yeah. the scene, even the tender stuff. Uh, she just had this way of kind of uh, playing to the back of the camera or something. Well, you know, there's just this way of... You say the word intensity. Whenever I think of... Laura Dern is... When I really think about it, she's probably my favorite actress. When I think of yeah. all the stuff that uh, that I have absolutely loved her in, all the wide range of stuff, she's probably my favorite. I always come to her. I like Julianne Moore. You know, I like a lot. I like mm-hmm. a lot of actresses, but Laura Dern is just—I love what she does. But when you say intensity, Laura Dern has this specific kind of emotional intensity that she has carried through her whole career where it just seems like shit can go emotionally south quick Yeah, on things. She does dramatic while being not a total monster really well. Like, she does difficult well. Right. I like her brand of difficult. I, I picked up a lot more on the lore during, like, trauma in her past kind of sure. angle in this time watching it. I, didn't, I guess one... I never really gave much thought to... You know, there's these scenes of flashbacks of her obviously having been abused uh, by the family friend Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. But uh, she carries that so much in what she does. Yeah. And then, yeah, once she gets to the scene where they're in Big Tuna and she's got all these creeps around and she meets up and uh, has the scene with Bobby Peru, it's like, it was just so much. Has there ever been a collection of creeps like in uh, Big Tuna, Texas? I, it's uh, it's if a I murderer's was, row. Man. If I was the mayor of Big Tuna and <laughs> Wild at Heart was released, I would be so furious about the bad publicity. It's like, yeah, maybe have you seen our community center? I, I hope we didn't there's go not there. real Big Tuna. We I, I hope there. that's a made-up town. Oh, Because that, that's the saddest. So, yeah. That they, rogues gallery of just dirty assholes yeah. in that motel complex in Big Tuna was... Every one of them were just gross. It was, uh, <laughs> it's amazing to watch that. You again, yeah. where does this come from? I mean, maybe that's based on characters in the book because this was based on a book. But... You know, weirdly enough, I didn't notice that until this time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea this was based on a book, and it feels super graphic novel. Mm. You know, in a lot of ways, uh, without being overtly. This is from a comic. I could see. There's that. nothing. In, you know, well, I can't say that. There, There is supernatural stuff at play, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's obviously the whole running thing of... you. This is... You leaned over at one point, I know where you're going, Yeah. and said, did you notice how much they talk about Wizard of Oz in this movie? 
<laughs> like this is like, what you noticed this time. Well, that was more of a joke because it's so layered on thickly. It I, is it's thick. like they're showing the shoes and the crystal ball. Oh yeah, I like her tapping her heels. Of the witch on the broomstick. I'm like, maybe you thinking of Toto, the dog, yeah. and it's just like we get it. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Got it. I, I a lot do, of Wizard of Oz stuff. You mentioned the click and heels. This is the ultimate side tangent. I like that Laura Dern was allowed to be just like a tall broad in this movie. <laughs> she was in heels in every scene. Big hair just, up yeah. high. Yeah, absolutely. Like Willem Dafoe. I loved how... Uh, let's get that scene out of the way. Okay. <laughs> We're there. It came up Bobby, naturally. Bobby Peru. Bobby Peru. Like the country. Um, so I like in this, the, the scene they have together. Which is the which is a heavy scene in the movie. That is a room gets quiet scene. It's rough. It's intense. Yeah. Um, I like how when you do long shots, he's so diminutive. He's the skinniest guy. Willem Dafoe had to be like 145 in this Soaking movie. Soaking wet. Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing these like <laughs> skinny boot cut jeans and his legs are just like so slender from the side with these big old cowboy boot feet. Mm-hmm. So he just looks like this tiny little guy standing next to this tall drink of milk in her red heels. And I love how uh, even in these moments of, of weakness when she's confronted with her past that she didn't ask for, she's made to look kind of more, uh, you know, hmm. still looming over sure. the large presence. And this scene with her and Bobby Peru. So Bobby Peru is Willem Dafoe's character. Yes, it is. And as I said, I think, yeah, the first time I watched it, he's what stood out in this movie. It's I, such a gross. That's probably a common uh, yeah. thing because he is just so. What a vile heel. Yeah. In every way. Just a disgusting dude. The teeth alone. I mean, uh, how do you forget? It's like you can't forget those teeth. That tooth prosthetic. I don't, I don't understand is how pro- it works. I am, I have been so. Lips, yeah, oh God. All bad. He's so The little slimy. pencil mustache. The John Waters the mustache. John Waters mustache. <laughs> which a guy had also in the other David Lynch one. Uh, yeah, oh, like, Andy had that. Loves that oh, mustache. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lynch tapped into the, the John Waters culture in the 90s and was like, I can work with this. We can make this darker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm so opposed to tooth prosthetics in movies at this point because they've been so terrible the last couple of years with Meryl Streep's weird little teeth in uh, Big Little Lies. Oh, yeah. Oh, Didn't God, I hated it. And then uh, Rami Malek's gigantic God. Freddie Mercury teeth in Bohemian Rhapsody with just these close-ups on these huge, gigantic teeth. Like, I've seen what Freddie Mercury looks like. The guy had some bigger teeth. He had big teeth, but... He's not a monster. That's not a That's not a uh, detail we need. <laughs> yeah. People Accur- remember the not, teeth. That's not the we detail. We need the teeth. And in this one, boy, did I not need these teeth. Oh, yeah. You do not need Bobby Peru's Nobody teeth. Nobody needs And those. we get a couple of different hard angles of these... <laughs> of these... A uh, close-up on the teeth. Shane McGowan gross... Uh, They're just nubs, really. Teeth. It's like... Uh, actually, what they look like is when Ren gets a cavity and Ren and... <laughs> yeah, it looks very like Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. When they <laughs> zoom in and it's this like grossly pink and red... Uh, cavernous mountain of gums yeah. with these gross all, green nubs it's a very it's it is definitely a zoom in ren and stimpy gag 
And he's this guy who everybody in town's charmed by. Yeah. Who? Uh, <laughs> that's that's, what, that's uh, the weirdest part. Everyone's cool with this guy. And Big Tuna is a place. <laughs> you, so you leaned over to me. Uh, they're in this motel courtyard. And that's when we get this rogues gallery like John Lurie mm-hmm. and uh, Jack Nance Jack comes Nance. in and barks and... He's, you know, he yeah. does Jack Nance. Even a young, the 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 guy that's got kind of the wiggly eyes in the cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we get All random cameos of people popping in. You get a couple of creepos walking around, like uh, that one. Oh, they're, they're making a porno. Yeah, Texas so there's this style. porno. Yeah, and they oh yeah, making a porno Texas style. <laughs> and eventually, three large uh, BBW women come out <laughs> nude. From this trailer, and they're frolicking in the courtyard, and Charlie goes, I've never wanted to know less what Texas style means. <laughs> As this other man kind of leads another guy by this frolicking nude yeah. bunch of women on a leash, and you're just like, yeah, I'm good on big tuna Texas style. Not, not going to Google Texas style. <laughs> no. Not going to do it. <laughs> you don't want that in your search history. So that's when we get don't introduced to Bobby Peru, who's immediately... The creepiest red flag you've ever seen. The, the creme de la creep. He like, is, yeah. Like Top the creep. only th- I don't know that the only thing that could have made him creepier is if he just had like a teddy bear tucked under his arm. And then it's just like, oh god, and he's holding this weird one-eyed teddy bear. Like, who is this dude? <laughs> he's just made to be the slimiest mm-hmm. piece of shi that I have ever seen. And it's one of those. It gets this kind of visceral reaction from the crowd. When he first appears and starts his weird, kind of holds his mouth like butthead, oh, talking yeah. about cartoon <laughs> looks yeah. of this movie. He really has that lip that oh, goes yeah. up because oh, he's yeah. really showing off the gums, his sick ass gums. <laughs> oh, just this little quivering lip, always. Just, yeah, his. Oh yeah, just squirming around like Laura Dern. Yeah, yeah just ugh. No, it's uh, he's like he's like an Eric Roberts character, but Eric Roberts' disgusting, gross twin brother, just with this like, ugh, like oh, he's so ratty and it's a gross character. Oh, and also a lot of big, people ugly down in this movie. Big big red flag is when you meet a guy and the first thing you notice is the uh, you know Marine Corps tattoo on his hand, and someone mentions like Pi May or something. Yeah, he's like yeah, a lot of people died there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh. This oh is the yeah! First I remember... thing coming up about this guy. First thing coming up. Yeah, Vince. Uh, what's Vince Taylor Pruitt? That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that guy's like a Baltimore. Uh, I think that guy shows up in Waters movies. I wouldn't be surprised. So there's like, I'm, I'm positive He's there's one a of those crossover guys that's in everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'd be a good good name for the cup. Oh, for sure. He's he's been in some stuff. And uh, yeah, he's just when Bobby's talking about his Marine Corps service. Right. So now you have this weird guilt that Bobby's like the shittiest dude ever, but he's also a veteran. <laughs> it sounds like he might have committed war crimes. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy says uh, the battle that Bobby fought, and he's like, yeah, a lot of old people, women, and children died at that battle. Mm-hmm. Basically telling everybody that Bobby killed a bunch of kids. Yep. That's yeah. a cool detail that gets hinted at. Yeah, I think I'm going to turn in, guys. Good to meet you, Bobby. Yeah. I go. have never been more uncomfortable for a character than Laura Dern's Lula in that situation. 
Yeah. This is just 15 minutes straight of a bunch of weird dudes sharing with hard eye contact <laughs> their specific brand of weird. Making very overt sexual remarks. And yeah. Basically, yeah, eyeballing her. Yeah. Uh, to the best to, of their ability. I've but. never seen more leering yeah. in a scene. Oh, they really bore in on her. It is so gross. I hate Big Tuna, Texas. Oh, so we all build Sorry, Big up. Tuna. Yeah. We all build up. And Bobby is the one that making uh, remarks about how young she is. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly being the most overtly disgusting. Right, right. And so when he comes to her, uh, when, she's, uh, when he knows she's alone in the room and builds up to a hard assault, mm-hmm. is one of the most passionately disgusting scenes I've ever seen. People were silent during that Bobby and Lula scene. Like, yeah, it's chilling. People were just what, and I was. It's like I kept waiting for somebody to to break the uncomfortableness with some something stupid, something desperate, like a can opening up or something, or something, just or like just that, like yeah, uh, just... you know, somebody like in in those moments in every Clint Eastwood movie where there's um, weird racial humor. <laughs> and uh the the movie crowd you watch it with kind of does a <laughs> like, uh, Clint. like uh that's Ugly. he had to make his character uh a guy who's not a racist but still says the n-word because he doesn't <laughs> know how things work <laughs> well that's i guess i have to enjoy it because i like the rest of the movie right. now so i hate that laugh that undersells like oh god that and so i was waiting for some guy to just mistreat this mm. scene and nobody did no everybody was sucked in and everybody was just forced into this awful situation that she wound up in well it's one of those where you're internally screaming yeah. the entire time the scene is taking place he's basically got his hand around her throat there's a quick record there's a literal record scratch when yeah. shit gets real yeah and uh the he, scene of of him and, screaming but at but, her. but you are you as the audience member are just like Ah, just freaking out inside. But yeah, yeah, everything is so quiet and silent, and there's a pin dropping uh, that it's uh, yeah. You oh you yeah, don't dare make a sound. Like you don't. He dare. keeps moving in closer and closer, and it's scary. But it's I don't know. And they're playing it. The sexual energy is really weird in the Very room. Weird. It's a weird sexual vibe. <laughs> and it is, it's just, it's hitting, the scene hits on a lot of uncomfortable emotions. And that's kind of what David Lynch does. Though, yeah, he right? does. That's and pretty it was, much him in a nutshell, what you just said. A lot of uncomfortable emotions. Oh, but it's such, just like one of those things, it's like, yeah, this movie is trash, but like, my God, you've never seen this level of intensity in actual pure trash. Mm, mm-hmm. This is talent trash you know like this is amazing highbrow highbrow yeah yeah. i mean everybody in this movie i thought was so good in a different era this would have been showered with oscar nominations Mm -hmm. you know i think there's a world where that happens uh where people fully accept this and just the fact that diane ladd alone actually got a nomination but you know, to be put her in with talent like uh, Lorraine Bracco and Goodfellas, that's a cool uh, mm. two very different performances. Uh, 
And I like that they recognize that, but you see everybody else in this movie. It's like, damn, they all just did this their own weird ass unique thing. Mm-hmm. How about uh, Crispin Glover? <laughs> what the hell was that character for? I love Dell. That's one of my. That's my favorite non sequitur thing yeah. in the movie ever. Just this some is story just story about an uncle. Well, it's such a beautiful way to include something like that <laughs> because Glover, you know these two are on the run. Yeah, and I love a good on the run kind of movie. Maybe that's why. <laughs> that's why I'm thinking about it as a Burt Reynolds. Oh, totally. Kind no, of it, joy. It definitely you know? has. It definitely has that energy to it. So good, which is. Burt Reynolds' road movie, one of my favorite movie energies. Absolutely. <laughs> Give me that kind of energy any day. And so this movie, a John Waters directing a Burt Reynolds road movie, yeah. Hit that. Put that right in here. Inject that yeah, in yeah. there. Give me that. That's funny. And uh, so you get these long road trips of them just putting their boots up in the car or their high heels. Mm-hmm. And... Laura Dern's basically just talking to Phil time. <laughs> so that's why oh, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, uh, he hasn't heard about my weird cousin, uh, Dell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jingle Dell. It was, it's, uh, I don't get it. I don't, uh, you know, I don't know why it's there, but it just, that scene really got the crowd going. Yeah. It's, it really is one of those where you just, you get this insight and like, you just, I don't know. That feels such. That there feels is, so um, David Lynch. That so, we, just... yeah, this this little three-minute segment on Dell, yeah. which is just Crispin that, Glover being, honestly, yeah, probably maybe two minutes. Yeah, This is just Crispin Glover being the most, whenever you think of Crispin Glover, you think of these kind of moments. Mm-hmm. It's like a highlight reel of Crispin Glover doing weird things. It's, it's just played like a yeah. Buster Keaton kind of scene with Crispin Glover just displaying weirdness just again no david lynch knowing exactly what he wants knowing crispin glover is the guy that's going to deliver that yeah psychosis kind of yeah that, that specific n- energy yeah insane energy david lynch yeah. knows how to channel every one of his actors insane energies and every one of the people he chose for his movies is somebody known for having a weird energy mm-hmm. in a movie literally every person in the movie has a vibe that is their own and it's so many strong personalities yeah. in every scene of this movie. Even like John Lurie being kind of the out of place normal guy. Yeah, like he's John Lurie's totally the normal, normal guy. In Big Tuna, technically, just being like, yeah, you got to have a real sense of humor to live here. Yeah, and you're him like, and Vince Taylor Pruitt <laughs> are the two guys that are like these seem seem all right. You yeah. don't know why Pruitt's dressed as like a like a. Well, it's Texas. Like I a mean, suede suit he does, cowboy. So he has cars, a story, maybe. but it doesn't seem as bad of a story as yeah. the others. And yeah, John Lurie's the uh, semi-sane one. Just chilling. And there's just a... But John Lurie hasn't obviously has an energy. You know, he has a strong vibe. Absolutely. And ugh, there's so much personality. It's like dripping <laughs> with all this uh, color and personality that makes it so good. Yeah, so we see this... What, Crispin Glover's this crazy teen cousin of hers who's obsessed with Santa and Christmas Mm -hmm. and goes into deep mood swing depressions every part of the year that's not Christmas. Has like the dirtiest Santa suit. Has total conspiracy theories. And so it's just all these montages of Crispin Glover just moving weird (laughs) 
just moving <laughs> and weird yelling and, and making a, a, a kitchen full of sandwiches at two in the morning, right? So the sandwiches I, scene I for me, my lunch. I think for me that is a. Uh, it was close to being that same kind of moment when I saw um, Lost Boys mm-hmm. for the first time in the theater. And it was at one of these cult nights, probably six years ago. I had no idea what to expect. And the buzz that I heard in the room <laughs> right. before the sax scene, you know, the sax on the beach. Absolutely. It's one of these just like, that, that there's that this rumbling throughout yeah. the theater and... I just kind of heard this, like, you know, the quiet little tittering because they knew there's that long pause when Dell's just out of the kitchen at 3 a.m. with a sandwich with a counter full of crushed white bread, peanut butter and jellies. <laughs> just just they look like completely mashed up in a big old pile, the yeah. full length of the counter. And yeah, when his mom asks. Dale, what are you doing? There's a long pause, and that's when there's there's some like growing murmuring in the in the audience, you know. Oh, he's gonna say it. He's gonna do it. Yeah, <laughs> the count, hitting the counter with I'm making my lunch. <laughs> it's so this like it's such a desperate read, but also like an incredulous read. Right. Like I'm obviously making my lunch, but he's <laughs> it's my, bothering him. It's obviously, su- yeah. It's such a dumb loud line for laughs that is just read perfectly yeah i'm making my lunch <laughs> smashing more sandwiches god and that's it that's all dale oh that's and then, it, get, then yeah. it's him doing his uh his high step and uh walk outside yeah with the, with the bugs crawling all over his stuff perfect what is this just a, it's just there's so many little perfect little vignettes like that yeah throughout this movie so i'm just excited that yeah. there was people in there i knew a couple of them who had zero idea what the movie was about. Oh, cool. well. Like, you go into a movie like this in the theater with surround sound and not knowing the vibe of the movie, oh, I don't know what kind of treat you're going to get. It's going to be good, but oh, it could be just overpowering. I, I think this is probably one of the more accessible David Lynch movies. I mean, I, you know, it's not too surreal as far as what's actually happening on screen, but... Yeah, it definitely has those, uh, you know, just moments that you don't see in anything else. No. Even the score. I mean, like, even just that hard, like, like you said, the speed metal that comes in. There's a lot of speed metal. And, uh, a lot the, of speed metal intercuts. Just these scenes where they, yeah, just these scenes of Nick Cage doing his karate dancing. This guy throws more <laughs> crescent kicks on a dance floor. Can you imagine this He's guy a to at a club oh. throwing these huge spin kicks? Oh my gosh! <laughs> and that scene where they're at the club and the other guy starts dancing with Laura Dern and he stops <laughs> the club and you it's were... like and the other guy doesn't back down. The other guy's like, "Don't fuck with me, man." <laughs> you were so into this dude. <laughs> you were so into the guy that was like well, was grinding like, on Laura Dern. Well, because it's just like his whole like "Don't fuck with me" was. Like, he's his own sailor in he's, his own story. Yes. You know what I mean? I thought that was the first time I've thought that. This is some other sailor. This is like, yeah. It's like the lost sailor. Yeah. Everyone has, it, that's what you, that's what's so great about this movie. You get these scenes and you know every one of them's got that story to tell. And yeah, yeah you want to hear it. This movie is such a See great yeah. bit of set pieces. Yeah. And this guy who has three total lines mm-hmm. in the movie and and some, some grinding. On Dern, that's his other scene. Yeah, 
He gives the funniest, sleepiest punk <laughs> read of his lines. Just like, don't fuck with me, this all man. This monotone, like, threat. Yeah. So funny. Nick Cage goes on this kind of long-ish rant. Talks about his snakeskin jacket, you know, which is a sign of his God. belief in... Uh, oh, yeah. His unique his, belief his in... Individuality. Individuality and, and personal, personal freedom. Yeah, yeah. He goes all through that, and the guy just goes like, Asshole. One <laughs> of the great asshole. You were, you were so into that. I you were doing your um you were doing like a high like this like <laughs> you were Deloise <laughs> next to me. Uh, yeah. It was a total Deloise and cannonball run outtake. You're just doing a <laughs> It just I don't know like You know Burt Reynolds is about to smack you, like yeah. don't stop it, don't don't mess up. And the room, everybody in the room was deloising. Oh, and yeah. All of this, they were the everybody was just giggling. Just that because it's like again, he just he you expect him to back down, and he's making the exact opposite choice <laughs> yeah. that you're expecting in this narrative. We just yeah. asshole. Yeah, and it's so funny. Nicholas Cage kind of happens at the end too, like with the gang, you know. Uh, oh god like you don't like that comes out of nowhere you don't expect the reactions the way they are and it just it plays with you on that level that's so funny what a weird choice to get to drop a drop a good f <laughs> at the end it's a different time all right <laughs> different time and you're like oh okay well you know i guess we were in fifth grade once that's a weird vibe so yeah. he's bringing this like total sophomoric aspect to sailor's character that that gang scene in general is so weird. Very strange. He gets jumped by ten dudes <laughs> who just quarter him on the street that don't seem to want anything. No. They teach him a lesson and like you get the vibe like I guess if he handled that more politely, would they have just been like, right. all right, let him pass through. Right, exactly. Let him go. I love the dis- – we talked earlier upstairs. We were talking about distracting deep tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. I love the distractingly short Asian gang member. Yeah. The like chubby like Asian guy. 45 year old guy <laughs> in a bandana and leather Who let jacket. Him in the gang? How he had enough. You? And then he calls him asshole too. He's he had the, enough and asshole. He's like the spokesman, yeah. apparently. But he's just like, yeah. He's like a divorced dad energy pouring yeah. off of him. Like, I'm joining a street gang. I'm living some vigilante justice. He's like five foot two, chubby. <laughs> Wearing like a leather vest with no shirt. He's got like a round, chubby face. Yeah. Wearing a bandana. Good shock of hair on uh-huh. him, though. He had some good, like, feathered hair. Right. A lot of the guys in the gang had crew cuts. But it's like if you had told me that guy was like a gaffer on set that Lynch had just kind of like yeah. made into that role, I would believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Lynch fills the movie. Yeah. And he gets the great, like, they just basically punch Nicolas Cage once in the face. <laughs> That's their whole lesson. And then when Nicolas Cage comes to after his visit from the Good Witch, yeah, play we got a, we got two great Twin Peaks cameos, total one-off bottle scenes, yeah, absolutely with Sherilyn Fenn as a car accident victim and uh, Cheryl Lee, Cheryl as Lee the, is good the Good Witch, Witch. yeah, they both have such beautiful, perfect David Lynch looks. So, but yeah, had enough asshole. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, we get so many great cameos and so many good bits of color and weird tertiary characters like that. Even the ones that I hate, 
like the duck voice guy. That's, that, <laughs> Even the ones that I can't stand that, that I'm like, I'm not sure well, this movie's be the best. That, that one was like, I think something happened at the print. So there's a technical difficulty. <laughs> David Lynch does all these like annoying. I think probably the first time I saw a movie like Lost Highway, which we'll get to in episode mm. two of our Lynch uh, definitely two double week feature. double feature. You're welcome. Is like uh, yeah, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, you're welcome, listeners. Uh, some people I'm sure could make an argument that Lynch does like some tryhard stuff, trying to be weird. Oh yeah, trying to do overly weird, weird for the stuff. sake of weird. weird. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird for the sake of weird. Which to me, that's like a that's like a gasp kind of insult. Like if you want to cut deep on something, mm-hmm. somebody's like, "Hey, I like this quirky movie a lot." You cut deep, you'd be like, "Felt a little weird for the sake of weird." That's like a. <gasps> Yeah. Like oh god, he really went for the jugular Oof. on yeah. that end. That's a film nerd deep cut. It's almost like saying art for the sake of art. Yeah, so that's like <laughs> a that's like a that's a cruel yeah. dig. Yeah, and uh, you know you can argue some of that in this in Wild at Heart, like the duck voice guy or the the super uh, pale skin, overly freckled woman who does a very slow dance yeah. uh, across the that camera. Was, that was pretty creepy. You know. And even the great kind of weird vibe roles of actual musicians like Coco Taylor and mm. Billy Swan, legendary uh, like country musicians in there. Uh, cool, like cool cameos like that. And some of that's like, oh, I know people hated some of the band cameos and the Twin Peaks comeback. Oh, yeah. Season like, oh, Nine Inch Nails just performing in town. Why not? It's weird. And so I know some of that can seem like, you, know, you can say, oh, it's a little try hard. I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. I'm not into that. I love the stuff he did. There's this scene, so dumb, but so perfectly like, yeah, that's a dumb thing David Lynch would do. Where right before Bobby Peru assaults Lula, shows Nick Cage out working on the car, and some guy in a hat walks by in the background with like a 20-foot length of PVC pipe, yeah. but it's bright red. <laughs> There's no red PVC pipe. You can't go to a store and get just a piece of 20-foot red PVC pipe. Yeah, where was that guy going? So, yeah, it's just throwing in stuff like that for color. I love it. And I of course, fully uh, embrace that stuff. I love that stuff, and I love how he makes it look. The the stuff I'm thinking of in that same vein is the the hitman, you know, the main hit older hitman with the uh, topless women around him. Dude, want to get into Mr. Reindeer? And, yeah, yeah, that's his name. Mr. Mr. Reindeer. Reindeer, holy Dude, cow. that's, I was like... How did I? How was I sleeping on Mister Reindeer yeah. before? Mister Reindeer is a top tier character. He that... might have the funniest bit in the entire movie, where he's got these topless women next to him, and they're talking, and he's making a phone call, and he's been this suave, smooth, Dude, yeah, like so, well, hitman. But yeah, okay, no, so yeah, yeah. to go to the beginning, <laughs> so Mister Reindeer. Reindeer if we're talking. My my usual rant about the Oscars for under ten minute <laughs> actors. Yes, right. Oh, W. Morgan Shepard as Mr. <laughs> Reindeer. Yeah. Well, first off, he's in. He's, he's the villain in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, okay. He's the dude who wants the the deeds and the, the special scrolls and magic sure. that she inherits. I'm sure I look him up. He's in a, and a he's dozen in, things. He's I've in seen. that. He's yeah. in Needful Things. He's uh-huh. like the preacher in Needful Things. And he's in Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. At uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the One-Eyed Jacks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. At the uh, casino there. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. So he's a Lynch guy. Oh, for sure. But this, he is this, he is 
the whole the first thing that came to my mind where we see his kind of opulent room mm-hmm. that he's talking in. He has this gorgeous phone and he's talking is my favorite movie ever, Blue Velvet. When Dennis Hopper says to Dean Stockwell, just like, God damn, you are suave. <laughs> you are one suave motherfucker. He's just like taking a big gulp of beer, and Dean Stockwell's wearing this white powder makeup and smoking a cigarette with yeah, just a with sly really, smile. His, his yeah. eye, you did like the eyebrow raise right there. Mm-hmm. Very Dean Stockwell, very expressive eyebrows in that suave scene. Perfect. And W. Morgan Shepard's got this like swept back, slicked hair, mm-hmm. kind of like a smoking jacket robe. And as the camera pans out, he's just like dropping a deuce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's this suave dude who's also just like going through his day. He's he's, take, he's taking business calls on the yeah. Throne. He's just talking. And there's a topless woman nearby. Oh, there's always he's a topless a, woman dancing nearby him. That's you know. You don't know you if he's that. like at home chilling or if he's just like in the middle of like a 36 hour gambling underground betting marathon or both. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like, I need to steal away to make a phone call and uh, take care of business. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but uh, he's just wearing pajamas and robes, like he's at the Playboy Mansion all the time. Exactly. So you like the phone call? The well, that uh, the, the uh, he's the, because he the tells, women gossip. He, he tells the uh, he tells them to put two silver dollars in with all the details, and then he makes the call to the other people. So. Yeah, he's he's like the hitman organizer. Yeah, he's the uh, yeah he's he's the head guy at the. And they have their secret hitman code. Whatever. Yeah, that's exactly. the kind of thing that feels like graphic novel to me mm-hmm. drop two silver dollars through my mail slot and like that's yeah. all like so he's been all that cool and then yeah as he's about to make this phone call to set up hits yeah and this is just a thing that people won't get now with cell phones but it was such a thing that i always like would hear at my household <laughs> if someone was making a call and you were talking they would go it's ringing as if, shut up. <laughs> okay, hey, it's ringing. ringing. All right. It's ringing. And just the way he, yeah. Just I'm going to be talking with a person any second now. Just okay. The way, yeah, just the way he yeah. stops so his these assistance two, with that quick, I it's lo- ringing. He's in this room. Oh, he's in this house with like so eight different topless women who are kind of dressed like French maids from the bottom down, like mm-hmm. on he- he- high heels and like aprons and then just boobs. <laughs> what I love, though, is it. You don't get the vibe that they're there under servitude because they're just sitting there talking shit. Mm-hmm. Like they're just standing it's next a to him, like casual work holding trays while yeah. just half naked. And they're just like, "Do you know that bitch stole my hairbrush?" <laughs> and just like, you know, I knew I didn't trust her. And he's like, "Okay, I'm on the phone. It's ringing. <laughs> it's ringing right now. All right, we can just uh, take this down one notch. Thank you. So perfect. just Mr. Reindeer dealing with with help." I just, <laughs> just like okay, women, come on, got me so good. Come on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I lo- so I love his opulence at the same time. His he's also like trash. <laughs> you know, there's not Pretty just much. one totally glamorous person. Even he's just the guy. Just he's got stuff to do. It's not all gonna be glamour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the like the cool guy at the goth club. It's like eventually you're gonna have to ride the bus, <laughs> right? And then you're gonna be wearing all that vinyl and. You're then, gonna you're gonna go, be, then you're not going to. Then you're not going to be in your cool element. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are very cool in this movie that we also get to see them in not their cool element, and that's a super fun David Lynch vulnerability. I get yeah to throw to a that's character. A good way to put it, yeah, you know he adds that uh, that level of vulnerability that makes it specifically David Lynch. It's such a magical movie. I, I honestly think 
I, I did this best of the night. I should have looked this up ahead of time. But you saw how unprepared I was today. So unprepared. Charlie showed up, and I'm in sweatpants with no shirt. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, Thank you for what putting do you do? your shirt on. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> Charlie comes in. And it's just like, things have been happening today. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't prepared good, uh, like I could have been. Uh, several years ago, one of the online old men nerd message boards that I occupy, uh, we did like a best of the 90s mm. movie mm-hmm. ballot. And... I'd love to know where Wild at Heart ranked on my ballot then. Oh, okay. I know the top of it was like Big Lebowski, Fargo, you know, not underground subversive stuff, but just stuff right. from that that I really Pulp love. Pulp Fiction, maybe. Pulp Fiction up there high, uh, top five. Uh, yeah, Before Sunrise, there, mm. to make me not seem like a total bro. You're a romantic. You're <laughs> I am here. a romantic. You I love, really am. I love the sappy stuff here. And I and I don't think, looking back, that I would have had Wild at Heart in my top ten. And after watching it last night, I'm like, how can that be anything but my number one? It's weird because I do feel like that's the one that maybe gets talked about least, or the one that's the one that I'm seeing the least amount of memes about or whatever. You yeah. Know, you, you see a lot of stuff about Dune because it was such a disaster. Yeah. You see a lot of stuff about <laughs> Blue Velvet because of Dennis Hopper. Sure. Uh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is, is big very ever memeable. since the return, uh, and then Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive is like there. That's when stuff just gets so weird that people are talking about it all the yeah. time. But yeah, Wild at Heart gets this kind of weird little, maybe lost in the shuffle there. Even though it was uh, obviously acclaimed at the time internationally, maybe, you know, didn't it, get the Oscars for a movie that feels gotten, so David Lynch. Mm-hmm. It also has a different tone than every other David Lynch movie. This one definitely feels the most overtly comedic sure. to me. Yeah. Uh, like scenes purposely written for laughs, which I think a lot of scenes in his movies get big laughs. Uh, there's a lot of big laughs in Blue Velvet, I think. But mm-hmm. I don't know if they're overtly written as this is a punchline as this one. This movie has punchlines. Yeah. Especially absolutely. stuff that Nicolas Cage says. Some of the jokes he makes are so jokey mm-hmm. they they are clear you know the uh and it, the whole thing as you hinted at with your quite frankly worst opening sorry you've ever done I'm sorry i won't do that again yeah i gotta be me didn't I we talk like... about sometimes i can do impressions but not you <laughs> okay not you that's you're fair. good at the sounds that's fair you can do like a sound like here's a carpenter theme you're good at the sounds i'm the rich gotcha. little gotcha. of this duo I accept. I accept. I'm sorry you guys had to hear that. Man. No. You just got but, that dressing no. down. <laughs> <laughs> but so with your Elvis. So that's the thing. You started this with an Elvis impression. We haven't mentioned Elvis once <laughs> after you yeah. starting with an Elvis impression. Other than you saying Nicolas Cage probably did this because they let him see a couple of Elvis He gets to sing some Elvis. There's a couple of Elvis songs in it. Nick I mean, he's Cage, got a swag. Nick he's Cage got is Elvis a man. swagger that he that he can he that he can do you know he's got that for all the things that people say about Nicolas Cage it's weird that there's been so much that he's done that is talk you know that's consumed all these uh internet threads that people kind of ignore that uh he was like dating Lisa oh yeah Presley sure because he was obsessed with her dad 
Like, that's a weird thing. And he reached that specific level of fame to get to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? He's a big collector. That's yeah. like that uh, Jason Momoa's like, man, Lisa Bonet is so hot in Angel Heart. Ooh. I'm going <laughs> to ma- marry that woman when I grow up. And then he does. That doesn't happen. And Nicolas Cage is the Elvis fanatic, and he's like, so I get to do this movie where I just have sex with Laura Dern and then just do Elvis shit the whole time? And then after that, he's like, I'm going to do this in every movie. Right, exactly. And then just this like, good. sign me up for Honeymoon in Vegas. Sign me up for Con Air. I'm just going to do Elvis shit. <laughs> I was thinking about Con Air earlier today because I was like, yeah, what what was the big Nick Cage movies back in the day? And then I was thinking The Rock, Con Air. Yeah, he like, had that. That was three years straight. The that, Rock, Con Air, that hair, and and, uh, and, Con uh, Air, and Face Off. Yeah. Oh, sure, Face Off. He's Con- pretty good in Face Off too. I hate Face Off so hard. Well, yeah, I haven't seen it in twenty years. So yet Con Air, but that is, hair in Con Air, that's that's some good hair. Con Air, um, I loved so much. That's all I was. I was in just thinking school. about his hair in Con Air. <laughs> yeah, he has that's that flow and mane with his about five minutes theater. of me going like, man, that scene where he's just slow mo with the with yeah with the mane. Totally, that's good cinema. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pure cinema. <laughs> I uh, I took three different girls on three different dates to see Con Air <laughs> in high school. I just wanted an excuse to keep going back to see Con Air, and I, wa- and I wanted to see it with the person. So I, I went on three dates to Con Air. I was like, I'm so into this. How did really, the ladies like it? One of, them was, one of them really was into Con Air. There you go. One of them liked it. One, nice. one, one out of three. Uh, I'll take those yeah, odds. Nicolas Cage has such a... He was so just allowed to be Nicolas Cage, and he had all these like just jokes written for him. Like, mm. I got a boner with a capital O. <laughs> and it's yes. like he does Elvis so hard in this movie that it just... I've seen a lot of Elvis movies. I don't know if you've if you've watched a lot of Elvis. I honestly can't say that I have, no. Elvis movies are such... A, Big blind spot in my uh, movie watching. Well, uh, we, <laughs> yeah, we all have them. They're so neat because it's a thing we don't get anymore. Like, pop stars don't get to the level of big where they just pump out a movie every year that's just an advertisement for new songs for them oh sure you know that's a cool thing right and uh i love that the movie has like you can kind of look back at a lot of Nicolas cage movies that you could say are basically weirder modern elvis movies <laughs> but this is the most one this, this is, is the him one. making an elvis movie like this is him doing like oh i'm also a famous race car driver but uh, <laughs> i'm in love with this girl that's and a good impression. You're doing a good look impression at that. right there. See that? Why didn't I, I like start it. off this show? I don't know. That was me. That's why I do the impressions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy. <laughs> That's a great Nicolas Cage doing Elvis, yeah. I gotta say. <laughs> That's the art to it. I'm not just doing an Elvis. I'm doing Nick Cage the, doing Elvis. The layers here, Very man. important. It's a the deep layers. impression. I love it. <laughs> but Nicolas Cage makes Elvis movies, and this is his most <laughs> Elvis movie. And it's amazing. The buildup to Love Me Tender. And then the movie ends. Yeah. Love Me Tender plays the credits. Great final and I can't shot. And I can't believe I didn't show you before we recorded this. Because in uh, the Elvis documentary film, that's the way it is. Which is just a performance of him in Vegas. Mm-hmm. With, a, with this full great Vegas band. Playing this perfect like a late Vegas life, room. Uh, yeah, yeah it was, I think it was like 72. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he wasn't a, a big fat dude. Okay. He still had uh, he had the performance still down. The guy's the most charismatic dude ever. That's why I can't believe you haven't watched Elvis. The guy just was he's amazing. Uh, yeah, but watching him perform, 
when they get to love me tender which is you know maybe his most beloved song he sings maybe 70 words of this song tops because he is just making out with women the whole time right this is a seven minute song five minutes of which are just him making out with every woman in the showroom at hannah's wow harris um, <laughs> and uh he's just going around shaking dudes hands and then just making out with their wives was it his big closer was that like the uh... it's like a, it's like the come down moment of the show uh-huh. you end hot you okay. end with a big horns number you know, but you but you like have a little cool down. Ba-na-na-na-na-na-na. Where it's the cool down. It's smart because Elvis, you know, he can kind kind of catch his wind a little bit. Oh sure, sure. You know, for a bigger finale, so you have a cool down where he's just walking, and not like doing kicks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he's just wandering around the full room, and the band just plays "Love Me Tender" on a loop, and he's just like making out, and then he'll come in for like a do I meet again. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're just like playing the music in a loop and the background singers are doing all their part, like filling in. And he's just, you just hear like the muffling. Yeah, of you do. You just mic clothes. shuffling against between boobs as he like kisses women. And then he'll like love me too. And then he's like kissing three more. It's so, like, funny. so It's the most charismatic, just like, well, I'm just going to sleepwalk through my thing that I love doing. And Nicolas Cage got to do that for this whole movie. It just feels like him getting to put any spin he wanted to on Sailor and just riding it out. Absolutely. Like, without a net. It seemed like, like you said earlier, imagining David Lynch directing Diane Ladd, just going, bigger, bigger, uh-huh. more, more. <laughs> <laughs> also a good impression. That's, that's my Lynch. Um, but, dude, Diane Ladd, like, I just want to bring up how perfectly ugly she is. That's the John Waters thing is he loves that ugliness that in people. Look. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it... and all the all her furniture and stuff too. The whole set, the whole setup was just so God, garish. She's just like the way she pounds a drink. Oh yeah. When she I loved her affection for her martini in the beginning uh-huh. where she's like stirring it and like mm, 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 like licking she, off her she put fingers. Her whole finger in her mouth. Yeah, and to like, like mm, that gin. Oh. And then like, after oh. this angry phone call, she just chugs it. And it's this like she's still holding it kind of daintily by the stem of the martini glass, but like just like Oh, just like chugging this full to the brim right. martini. And every scene in this movie is basically her pounding a full martini. <laughs> like, even when she doesn't have a martini, she just is such a... <laughs> She's on the entire movie. And she gets tender with Santos. Santos. Dude, there's too oh, much yes. to talk about this movie. Santos I could talk about too. this for four hours. I think this is my favorite movie of the 90s. Wow. I think this skyrocketed up. This was such a magical experience. And it was so... My cat just jumped on the... Jesus, my, tacos. my Like, 19-pound cat just burst into our podcast. Tacos. What a handsome Very nice. boy. But this movie is so just magical for me. And what's crazy is now my favorite movie of the 80s is Blue Velvet. My favorite movie of the 2000s is Mulholland Drive. Uh-oh. And I think now my favorite movie in the 90s is Wild at Heart. <laughs> Sounds like you I got a favorite filmmaker. I am now obsessed with, uh, yeah. with David Lynch. <laughs> uh, who knew? There's no getting around but, it. But uh, I just love this so much. Is this, is it the best? It's it's right there. It's the what best. What movies would you have above this in the 90s? I'll oh, put I, you on I, the spot. 
Uh, let's see. Because uh, like I said, the ones earlier I had, you know, Fargo, Lebowski, Pulp Fiction. I mean, yeah, those are right up there. Up high. This one, uh, I don't, yeah, this one definitely has a uh, just a, a giddiness quality to it. It just made me giddy watching it. Yeah. It, uh, until and the it, moments that were gets, devastating. It gets but when it's deeply serious. When it's lighthearted and entertaining, it's so much fun and. Yeah, it just does everything. The and room, it does it so well. The room was so strongly into it. Yeah. I think that helps me so much. Because it's impossible to ignore. Yeah. But it's, I was just left... And at that end where they finally sing the Love Me Tender, and you, it's the shot that's circling around them as the credits are rolling, it just really gave me such a... It was just such a satisfying conclusion to this whole... It's a really... Wild journey that we've been on. and It's a I, sweet it, moment. It's great. The movie has genuinely sweet moments mm-hmm. i love the sweet moments in this movie and the dark crazy moments you know we didn't even talk about isabella rosalini and grace sabrisky oh my and god some voodoo shit stuff, going on man in there. Yeah, yeah there was voodoo we already talked about <laughs> harry dean stanton in this as the biggest as little the hapless cutest lap dog ever little, yeah oh what a sad sack little role for harry dean stanton but the they were all just allowed to be them and just be weird. Mm-hmm. Grace Zabriskie's another great Lynch actress that uh, carved a nice career. Oh, yeah. For, for being her specific brand of just odd. I'd love to know what that woman's like in real life. <laughs> you know? The movie's filled with people like that. She's probably a sweetheart. She's probably great. And uh, I just love this movie so much. It's so perfect to me. I think it's there my favorite go. movie of the 90s. I'm riding a high, riding a wild and hard high. So, this is episode one. We're not done. We're not done with Lynch. We're gonna be mired in Lynch for a couple weeks. We're actually gonna get weird on the next one. Yeah, (laughs) this one was cool. This was like a normal fairy tale. Yeah, next one might be pretty uh, pretty strange. Uh, We're gonna watch. uh, We're gonna get on that lost highway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, (laughs) I don't know if we're even gonna bother trying to figure out what what happens. We're just gonna talk about how it made us feel. So, spoiler (laughs) alert: neither of us know. What's uh, the point what or the get- story of Lost Highway? Neither of us have in deep theories, uh, and neither of us care. We're just going to talk about Lost Highway. There you go. It might sound uninformed as hell, <laughs> but, we're but, it'll dive- also be entertaining. but we're diving into Lost yeah, Highway. We'll, we'll make it fun. We're driving down there. So it's come to this. It's come to this. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week. Thank yeah. you. I'm yeah. Eric. I'm Charlie. Thanks for listening. And good night.